Hello. Hi, Mark. Meet the guys. Kala. All right. Um, Ian is going to come pick me up, and then we are going to go and get his parents, and then we're going to be there in one hour, okay? Good, good. Okay. Is everything okay? What are you doing? I peeled the potatoes. What are you peeling potatoes for? I peeled some this morning. I know. But we need more. Well, how much are you cooking for these people? It's a lot of people. There's three of them. And us. Then us makes seven. And the family. The family? You invited the, the whole family? Of course. Ma, I said come for a quiet dinner and meet my parents. They might as well meet the whole family, right? Maria. I gotta go. Taki's here. Bye. Welcome to my home. Um, over here is my brother, Ted, and his wife, Melissa, and their children, Anita, Diane, and Nick. Over here, my brother, Tommy, his wife, Anzi, and their children, Anita, Diane, and Nick. And here, my brother, George, his wife, Frida, and their children, Anita, Diane, and Nick. Taki, Sophie, Kari, Nick, 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 Nick. And uh, Nick, Nick, uh, Nikki, and I am Gus. <laughs> They're here? Oh, oh. Where? Excuse me. Oh. Hello. I am Maria Portocalos, and welcome, welcome to our home. Thank you. What is it? It's a bunch. A bond? Bunch. Bon, bo, bonk, bonk. Bunch. Bonnet. Bunch. Bunch. In a cake, you It's a cake! I know! <laughs> thank you, thank you very, very much. There's a hole in this cake. Welcome to Life Church. Some of you are like, this is, this is the first time I've come and you're going to show me Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, it's just begun already. It's great to see you. I'm glad to see everybody back. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. When I say back, some of you I haven't seen since May. And uh, it's called the summer break. And I'm just joking, but it is good to have you back. Anybody glad that school's back in session? My wife was like shopping this week. Oh, wow. Wild applause. 
uh, all that stuff. And so along with that comes uh, great weather. Fall is my favorite time of the year. I don't know about you, but I love fall. And so uh, great weather, uh, college football and NFL football, regular season, not the preseason stuff where the starters don't really play. And so it's a good, good, good time. And uh, you chose a great weekend to be at Life Church. There's some great things that are happening. We're beginning a brand new series called My Awkward Family because family can be funky. So we're just going to talk about it. And if you read any of the Bible, you'll really find some, some crazy people in the Bible. And we're going to start with probably the most known family in the Bible. That's Jesus' family. And talk about some pretty oddities there in just a few minutes. Uh, at the West Campus, we have just started uh, with a brand new campus, Pastor Danny Phillips. And so that's happening, and uh, that's exciting to see what God's doing with he and with Eva on that campus. And then if you got any of the correspondence this week, you found out that uh, at the Germantown campus, we are having our, uh, well, the groundbreaking ceremony is happening on Sunday the 16th, which is just a week from now. And so uh, thank you for your prayers and thank you for your faithful support. And uh, this week, as we kind of wrap everything up, uh, the loan closes, everything's supposed to come in, the building permit, the final details are supposed to happen. We'll be here this next week. The letters have gone out. The invitations have gone out. Uh, we're expecting all kinds of people to show up next Sunday at 1 o'clock for the uh, ceremonial groundbreaking. And uh, less than 1% of churches in America will be doing that this year. And you happen to be a part of one of those churches. So it's just a great thing that's happening, some great stuff that's happening here. As well as we just launched our Life Leadership College, which is a four-year bachelor's program to put students out of high school, put them through a college degree program with a growth church mindset uh, into full-time vocational ministry. And so, uh, so that's all started. So there's just some great, great, great things, and I'm excited. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that you're a part to see what God's doing. And, uh, and again, if you're here for the first time and you've never been to Life Church before, just relax, enjoy the service. I hope you laugh today. I hope you learn something today. If you don't learn something, just laugh, okay? The, the, at least you got that out of it. And, uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Now, I know this is a scripture passage that you probably only read once a year, maybe at Christmas, but Matthew chapter 1. And as you get there, um, as we're going through this, uh, we're, we're talking in this series for the month of September about family and about how family can sometimes be awkward and how family can sometimes be funky. And I just want you to think back the first time that you introduced your a friend to your family that did not know. They knew you, but they didn't know the family, whether it was the immediate family or the extended family. Or maybe you introduced your fiancé to your family um, and, and what that was like. For me, again, I grew up in Arkansas, thus the accent, which I'm told when I go back south that I don't have an accent anymore. And up here I'm told that I do, and so I don't know what I have. But uh, anyhow, so uh, I remember my wife, who is from Springfield, Missouri. Now, to you, that may not be the bastion of civilization, but when you grow up in the town that I'm from, Harrisburg, Arkansas, where my family's all from, actually, we, we kind of moved across the state, there's one stoplight. And right there at that corner, there's a house, there's a uh, Sonic, which very appreciative for. There's a, a Tiger Mart, which is kind of like a little convenience store, and, a, and another little gas station that's locally owned and operated. And, and it's at that crossroads that there's about 2,000 people that live there. And so that's where my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family, that's where we're all from. And I was not born in that town because that town is so small that it didn't have a hospital. So we had to go to Cross County Hospital to a completely different county because there's no hospital in the county I was born in. Does that help you at all? Okay, and you're wondering, how does he have shoes on and that he's here? I'm getting there. So, so, I, I, so coming from there, I remember telling my wife, 
Tammy, who's from Springfield, um, you know, hey, you're going to encounter some different people. They're my family. And prepping her for this. And I said, so, so and, I, and I don't want to, you know, we, we live in the day and age of the World Wide Web and the Internet. So I, I, I want to be careful what I say because I don't want to be disparaging against anyone. But, but, you know, there are some of the people that they have teeth and others that don't. And some, they will come out at dinner time when we eat because they don't eat with their teeth in. And there will be some that uh, they drink, they you plug tobacco and, and they're female. And so if they kiss you, you may feel some of that. And God is my witness. And, um, and, and there'll be some that, you know, that, you know, I mean, they just, they think that Pap's blue ribbon is what's going to be in heaven. And so they're going to have all they can have now. Yeah, I know all about. And, uh, <laughs> I just didn't know the Pap's family was from Milwaukee until I moved here. And now ah, I get it. Okay. So, so, so it was all of this. And I'll never forget the look on her face when, we went to have dinner at, at, with the family, and went, her eyes were just like. And I remember that feeling inside of me of, there's nothing I can do right now for you. There's, I've helped you. I have tried to <laughs> introduce to you. I've tried to prepare you for this moment. This is your future. Aren't you excited? And, um, and so the deal is, is that sometimes we can think that we're the only people that have awkward families. You may think, because no, I'm telling you, I'm censoring some of what I'm telling you today. And so uh, um, you may think you're the only one that has an awkward family, or you're the only one that comes from a different situation, or even your immediate family. Maybe today, as you came here, you were faced with just some awkward situations and some trials and some tribulations, some problems that are happening in your own home. And I just, if I don't do anything else today, I want you to walk away from this service going, I'm not that odd. I really am normal, and God really can work through this. I'm going to be okay, all right? So, so Matthew chapter 1, it gives us what's called the genealogy or the family tree, if you would, of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to read this, and this may be comical in and of itself because somebody from the South trying to read uh, Hebrew names uh, is, is uh, I'm going to make some of this up. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, uh, and so, if, so if you have a degree in Hebrew, don't, don't, don't say anything. And, uh, but, but I want to walk this, but then I want to come back through this. So just leave your Bibles open. And I want to read these first 16 verses. But I want to come back to it because and, and, we just go through this to get to the birth of Jesus Christ. But there is a whole story in these 16 verses. And I just want to pull it out in the next few minutes. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Uh, that's important in just a second. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. That's important too because they were both twins and, and, and the birthright was kind of a, a difficult thing. Uh, whose mother was Tamar. That's we'll get to her in just a minute. Pez, Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Abinadab. Abinadab the father of Nashon. Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab a.k.a. Rahab the harlot. We'll get to that in a minute. Yes, the same way you're thinking. Uh, uh, Boaz, the father of, uh, of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. David and Goliath, okay? David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. That's real interesting. We'll get to that in just a minute. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Okay, I'm just going to go for that one. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jerome. 
Jerome the father of, of Uzzah, uh, Uzzah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Ammon, Ammon the father of Josiah, Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile into Babylon. So that's about the time of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, after the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetel, uh, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of, uh, I don't even know how to say that, the father of Okay, the father of Azor, okay, the father... See, sometimes you think you're the only one that has problems with the Bible. Yeah, join the club. Uh, of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Elihad, Elihad, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of, uh, not Manhattan, but Manton, uh, Manton, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Notice it never says the father of Jesus. The husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Now, this is important, and just let me throw a couple things out here real quick. Uh, first of all, this is significant, and they give you this. First of all, because it, it basically shows Jesus' royal descent, the fact that he descended from royalty, i.e. the house of David, that David was, was, was viewed as royalty because he was anointed uh, by, the, uh, by the priest and said that he would be the king of, the, of Israel II. The first was King Saul. And so it shows that. That he was that, which is part of the fulfilling of the Messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. Which is the second reason why this is important. The Bible tells of itself in the Old Testament about what's going to happen in the New Testament. About even what's going to happen today. I mean, that's part of what you read in the book of Daniel. They're, they're prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled that people are still trying to figure out what those end time prophecies will be. I.e., who will be, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, in, in the last days, who will be the Antichrist? How will the mark of the beast come? How will the end of the world come? I mean, all of this is foretold all the way back into the Old Testament. And so part of this, this is what's so great about the Bible, is that it actually confirms itself. And so there are confirmations that Jesus is who he says he is. And, and so this genealogy fulfills some of that. Isaiah, in chapter 11, verse 1, said that Jesus or the Messiah would be the shoot or the offspring of Jesse, which is the father of David. Genesis 17, 9 says he'd be the offspring of Abraham, Father Abraham. Uh, Genesis 49, 10 said that the Messiah would come from Judah. And it's important that, that he goes through Judah. And what's interesting about Judah, and I talked to you about this just a second ago, he had other brothers. He had three other brothers that were in line in front of him. And the way that the succession should have gone would have been with the firstborn. That's the way it was. It was a birthright. The firstborn got everything. The secondborn got nothing. The fourthborn was an afterthought at best. But the Bible says that the lineage of David or the lineage of Jesus would not go through the firstborn, but through the fourthborn. It would go through the house of Judah. It's interesting that God chooses that. We'll talk about that more in just a second. And so that's a fulfillment that Jesus came to the house of Judah, not through one of the other brothers. Uh, and then Jeremiah 23, 5 says that he would be a descendant directly of David, which shows that. But here's what's, so, so that's just some of the historical significance of, of it and, and the theology of it. Here's where it comes in for us. I want to talk about the dysfunction that nobody talks about. Because this, Jesus' family tree, I'm just going to tell you like this. Jesus' family tree is the most jacked up family tree that you, you will ever read about. Some of you are like, oh, I can't believe they would say that about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I didn't. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And I just want to walk through. If you want to look at these people, you can research this and, and, and you can Wikipedia this. You can do whatever you want to. But they put the dis in function. I'm just telling you. Abraham... Yes, he was a father of the great nation of Israel, but he was a habitual liar who had a relationship uh, and, and, and had a child outside of wedlock, okay? 
So he's not squeaky clean here trying to help God out. Jacob uh, was, and I'm just skipping through some of these people. I'm just pulling these people out. Was touched by God, but he was a conniver and a cheat. He stole his birthright from his older brother Esau. He hooked and crooked everybody. These are people that were in Jesus' family tree. They sound like your family. I don't know. Judah, he wasn't the firstborn. He was the fourthborn. But he fathered. Remember I said it came through Tamar? Tamar was his daughter-in-law. Yeah, yeah, you want, if you, you want to get some what, crazy stuff, read the Old Testament. When we started about this series, this awkward family, I said, guys, gals, in, in the CC meeting, there's some things that are so awkward in the Bible, I'm not going to talk about it, all right? We're just going to act like it doesn't exist. I mean, there's some crazy things because Tamar was, was, um, was married to, to Judah's two sons who continued to die. And, and because in that time, in that culture, if you didn't have a child, you really weren't anything as a woman. And so she tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her when she posed as a prostitute at a cultic temple. This is in the, this is in the lineage of Jesus. I'm not making this up. You can, go, you can go right there. Rahab, who's the mother of Boaz, was a prostitute from Jericho who actually helped the spies uh, when they came in uh, in the Old Testament when they were going into the Promised Land and the nation of Israel. And she protected the two, to the, the two spies um, and that kept their family safe. And this prostitute is David's great-grandmother. King David, who's the second king of Israel, and he was a great man, a man after God's own heart, but he was also a murderer, and he was an adulterer, and and here's what he did. Here's what's interesting about this passage of Scripture, that when it talks about Solomon, whose parents were David and Bathsheba, it never recognizes David and Bathsheba's union. It just simply says that Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, well, again, I could spend the whole day on this, and I won't, but the reality is, is that David had uh, sex with Bathsheba while Uriah the Hittite is on the front lines fighting the war for the nation of Israel, where David should have been, and David wasn't where he was supposed to be. And, uh, and so David basically, in all of this, turns around, and he tries to cover it up by bringing Uriah home and getting him drunk and sending him home to sleep with his wife so that the baby that she had conceived... They would think it was Uriah's and Bathsheba's and it would go away. But he didn't. So David kept him for a second night and he didn't. He even looked at David and said, How can I, O king, go home and share the bed of my wife uh, while the nation of Israel is at war? Which was just a total affront on what David had done to him. So David sent orders that were sealed to be given to, to the head of the armies of Israel to put uh, Uriah the Hittite on the front lines and in the heat of the battle to step back and allow Uriah the Hittite to be killed. So David then could lawfully take Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, to be his own, and he covered it up. Until the man of God came in into the chamber of the king and confronted him on his sin. And that child died, but the second child they had was Solomon. Now Solomon is noted to be the man, the, the greatest man, the, the most wise man that's ever lived, but he was a complete polygamist and was, and was, and was a multi-deist, had many, 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 many gods. Although he acknowledged that God, Jehovah God, was the greatest, he allowed all of these wives from all of these nations to come in and to bring their gods with them. Um, and so 
uh, Rehoboam, was re- he rejected God's word. He was the king, but he was the most re- uh, oppressive king. And totally, he was the king of the nation of Israel, but totally rejected God. King Asa started out with this religious zeal, but allowed sin and compromise to come in and wouldn't stand up for conviction and for the things of God. King Jeroboam uh, basically married the daughter of Ahab and led Israel totally away from God into pagan practices. I mean, uh, it just goes on and on and on and on. And it puts awe and awkward. I mean, you think about this. This is Jesus' family tree. I mean, we think of Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, that, you know, God in flesh, he came wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, away in a manger, you know, uh, and, and, and Mary, the virgin, and, and purity, and all of this. But I'm telling you, the family tree from whence he comes, they're jacked up, and they're messed up. And you may say, well, great, that's great for Jesus. I, I'm, I'm doing this to make a point. If Jesus' family was that messed up and that awkward, if it was that way, then why did God just put all of that out, all of that dirty laundry out for everybody to see? Why did God allow that to happen? What's the reasoning behind it? And, 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 and beyond that, so what? Who cares? How does that affect your life and my life in, 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 in 2012? Well, I want to give you a couple things that I think helps when you're talking about awkward family. And that's, first of all, your past may color your present, but it doesn't determine it. Your past, where you come from, may, may color your present, your today, but it doesn't determine it. There are only two factors that the Bible says that determines how we live our life and where we go. Number one is God. That God has a plan for us. That God has a plan for your life and for my life, Jeremiah says. He's given us a future and a hope. And that God hasn't called us or hasn't saved us to leave us. We're going to talk about this more in just a second. But that he has a plan. And secondly, the second person that affects where you are and what you'll do is you. Not your grandmother. Not your, 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 your descendants four generations back. But you. Not your siblings. Not your spouse. But you. Not your parents. But you. See, just because Jesus came from a long line of sinners and jacked up people doesn't mean that he was one. Just because that you come from a, maybe, maybe you come from a, a family where you just go, you have no idea how disjointed my family is. You have no idea. Like you talk, Aaron, sometimes about bringing people to church, and there's no way I could ever bring my family to this church. There's no way. They just, they just, they don't, this whole God thing, they, they just think it's crazy. They think it's a phase in my life, whatever. Da, da, da. You just don't understand. All I'm saying to you is, is that if Jesus came from that, it doesn't mean that he was one. And even though you may come from a situation, and maybe you come from a great family, and, 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 but I'm telling you, everybody's, everybody's family's funky in some way. It just is. I mean, we, give me enough time, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll Dr. Phil this one. But it just is. But I'm just saying to you, even if that is, that doesn't mean that that has to be you. Just because your parents went through divorce doesn't mean that you have to go through divorce. Just because this didn't work out for your aunt or your uncle doesn't mean it's going to work the same for you. Just because this disorder or this disease runs in your family or this problem or this issue works or just because this happens, it may color your present, but it doesn't determine it. The second thing I want to say is that your past doesn't determine God's plan. Your past does not determine God's plan. God has a plan for your life and your past doesn't determine it. Let me explain this to you. Ephesians chapter 1 
verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. It says this. Praise be to God and uh, to, to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has given us freely, us in the one he loves. God has, the Bible says, preordained or predestined, preordered your steps. Which means God has a plan for your life. God has a place for you. God has a future for you. That's not just Old Testament, book of Jeremiah. That's New Testament, book of Ephesians. He has a place for you. He has a plan for you. And your past, be it your family or your own past, does not determine that. God has, before you were ever born, before I was ever born, pre-ordered our steps. Now, I know that's kind of crazy. I know that's kind of like, whoa, there's a lot of time and thought that you may have to give to that. And maybe you need to marinate on that for a while. Maybe you go, look, bro, I don't believe in this Jesus thing. I'm just here because that's fine. You don't have to agree with everything I'm saying. You don't have to buy into what I'm saying. I'm just putting it out there to tell you, here's what the Bible says. Here's what God's word says. And you find out if it's true for you. I'm just telling you that for me and for those of us at Regular 10 Life Church, we believe that the Bible is God's word. And, and we lean on it so heavily if it were to move, we'd fall. And God's word says that he is preordained. He's preordered. He has put his order in for our life, ahead of our lives, before we were ever born, that God had a plan for us. And what I love about the plan of God is that there is no adversary that can keep, you, that can keep God's plan from it. And you go, well, what about the devil? The devil is not God's enemy. God has no equal. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. But God has no equal. There is no one in the same stratosphere. There's no one in the same galaxy. There's no one in the same level. This isn't Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. This isn't the light and the dark. This is God. He is supreme. He has, the Bible says, he has the devil on a leash, and he allows him to do some roaming around for a season, but to bring, his end to the, but to bring himself to the end. And the only thing that he can do is try to steal, kill, and destroy, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and the fact that God has preordained our steps, protects us so that he really cannot do anything. He's like a little yippee chihuahua. He can, he can, he can bark and, and get all excited all he wants to, but at the end of the day, he has no teeth. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's where those words, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That the reality is that my past does not determine God's plan for my life. Where you're from, who you're from, who raised you, what's around you does not determine God's plan for your life. It can color it, but it doesn't determine it. And for some of you, that's liberating. For others of you, you need to wake up. And just because you're from a godly family doesn't mean that this Christianity thing or this relationship with Jesus Christ is automatic. Just because you are sitting in church every week doesn't mean you're going to get it by osmosis. You know, there's, there, there, there's, you got to get it on your own. You have to experience God for, your, for yourself. But God has a plan for your life, regardless what your past looks like. The, the next thing I'd like to say is that family doesn't determine your future. Not only does it not determine your, your present, but it doesn't determine your future. Where you are going does not dictate, excuse me, where you are from does not dictate where you're going. 
Just because you are from somewhere does not mean you have to stay there. Just because you were born into something does not mean you have to live in it. Just because you were born in this situation doesn't mean that you can't rise above that. It also means just because you were born in a great family that you were born into doesn't mean that you can just automatically stay there. I don't know if you do this with your kids, but I have this conversation all the time. Hey, girls, this world that you live in, it's fairy tale world right now. It's so fairy tale because I pay for everything. You know what I'm saying? They don't do anything. And I say to them all the time, this is not automatic. Like, like when you graduate from high school, they don't just say, oh, here's a college diploma. Oh, you know what? Here's a house. Oh, here's keys to a car. Would you like to have navigation with that? Sure. You want leather seats? No problem. Hey, here's a prepaid car. Go to the mall and buy what you want to buy. It didn't happen like that for me. Lord help. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody here today? I mean, I'm telling you, like, and my kids sometimes look at me like, what? I know I sound like, you know, wah, 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 wah. But I mean, I look and just go, man, this enchanted little world that you, that you have doesn't mean that it just is always there and automatic. Those clothes just don't buy themselves and they don't wash themselves. Come on, can I get a witness? Hello, YOLO, you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't just happen. And mama's like, oh, yes, 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 hallelujah. And, and, you know, and they don't fold themselves, and that bed doesn't make itself. Come on, can I get a witness? I'm just saying, it's just, and just because you are from somewhere doesn't mean that it's automatic that you're going to stay there. That works in both, in both continuums. Every person stands on their own two feet. See, just because I'm from Arkansas doesn't mean I'll live the rest of my life in Arkansas. There was a time where God moved me from there to here. Now, in a million years, I'd have never guessed I would live my life in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm, I'm happy to. Don't, I'm, I'm just saying. I just, it wasn't like that was just, you know, the same way you wouldn't want to go to Possum Trot, Arkansas. There is a place, such a place. I'll take you there. But, right, I mean, so you just don't. But my point is, is that my daughters, the, my childhood and the way that I was raised and where I'm from is very much different than the life that they're accustomed to because we live in a different part of the country than where I was raised in. So there are times where we go back south and we do things and they go, Dad, why are you eating that? And Dad, Mom never cooks with that. And that's called meat grease, honey. It makes everything better. It's awesome. And Dad, why do you... And so anyhow, um, so it, it's, just, it's just different. My point to you is this. Sometimes we think that we are locked into a situation because we're born into a particular family, and that's not true. Sometimes we think that we, it's always just going to be this way because it's always been that way, and that's not true. And if you have a great family today, let me tell you the greatest thing you could do. If you're a student or you were raised in a great home, say thank you. I mean, tell your parents thank you. Because that doesn't just happen. And your mom and dad worked really hard for that to happen. And if you're an adult, you know how hard that was for what they had to do. I had a conversation with Tammy yesterday. We had lunch, and I just said, you know, one of the things for me, as my parents, as I'm getting older, my parents are getting older, there are times where I really try, and I don't live in the same state, and, and I try to get there as much as I can, but... I'm probably, you know, maybe there four times a year. And sometimes I try to add an extra day on if I have a layover or something like that. And, uh, but I think to myself, I love having coffee with my dad on the front porch of his house. And I think to myself, how many more cups of coffee do I get? Is it a dozen? Is it three dozen? Is it a hundred? 
Don't take for granted. Listen to me. Don't take for granted if you've been raised in a great family. Just to stop, even today, to call, to text, to write, and just say thank you. I was at church. We have this crazy pastor, and he said, and I just wanted just to say thanks. And if you find yourself in a situation where you go, no, my family's not like that. Matter of fact, I'd like to get away from that as much as I can. Then I want to help you with something. I I, want to talk to you for just a few minutes. And I want you to hear this. First of all, no family is perfect. No family is perfect. Jesus' family wasn't perfect. Your family's not going to be perfect. If Jesus, who was 100% God, 100% man, was spotless and blameless and without sin, if he, who knew no sin, bore sin for us and died on the cross, right? You know what I'm talking about? Jesus Christ. If he didn't have a perfect family tree, you and I are not going to have that. Secondly, you can't change your family. So don't try. This is one of the things I love about Matthew 1. Jesus, man, when he comes into the earth, it's like, here's all the trash. (laughs) Here's all the bad stuff. Here's the person who lied. Here's the person who connived. Here's the person who had this, this inappropriate relationship. Here's the prostitute. Here's the killer. Here's the murderer. Here's the polygamist. I mean, it's all out there. It's not even like ancestry.com. It's not even like covered up. It's not like, how are we going to spin this? When he comes into the world, this is declared. And he never addresses the issue other than to embrace it. And they even said this of him, the religious leaders of the day. What good can come from Nazareth? Because that was his hometown. Jesus of Nazareth. Germantown, Pewaukee, Brookfield, whatever the name of your town is. What, what good can come from? And he never deals with it. He never hides it. He never, he never tries to, to varnish it. He doesn't try to change it. He doesn't put on. He knows who he is, and he knows that this is all part of it, but he also knows that that's not him, and that he is his own person, and that he's here to do a job that they were unable to do, and he was here to do a job that they were unable to fulfill, and he was able to do a job that's going to take care of all of this. So let's not talk about it. Let's just live our lives and do something about it. He didn't try to cover it up. He didn't try to change it. He didn't try to fix it. I'm just telling you, you can't fix your family. People are going to be who they are. They're going to choose to be who they are. But there is a reason for your awkward family. Let me say that again. There is a reason for your awkward family. Let me put it like this. God has a function even in dysfunction. God has a function even in dysfunction. And we're going to talk about dysfunctions next week. We're going to talk about sibling rivalries. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about blended families. We're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. But you need to understand, in the dysfunction of the human condition, God has a function. He has a reason. He has a plan. He has preordained And even in your situation, he has that. Now, I want you to check this out. I don't know what yours is with the function 
of the dysfunction in your family is. I just know that there is one because God doesn't just do things just because. He doesn't allow things just because. But in Jesus, it was this. It was a fact that without his humanity, it didn't matter that he was a son of God. It didn't matter of his deity alone. Without the humanity of Christ, he couldn't be the perfect sacrifice. He couldn't die for the sins of humanity. And that's what we as Christians believe. We believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That Jesus Christ came to this world through the family tree that we've discussed today. He lived this life. The Bible says he who knew no sin was tempted and tried in every manner that you and I are, yet without sin. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. That he would become the sacrifice. That he would die in our place. That he would die to set us free. To set who free? All those people we just read in chapter 1. All the people in this room. All the people of the world. And without the dysfunction, watch this, without the jacked up family tree, he's not human. Without Rahab the prostitute, without King David the murderer, without Solomon the polygamist, without Abraham the liar, without, without these people, he's pristine, he's untouchable, he, he, he's unattainable. But because the Bible says he made of himself no reputation, he didn't come from anything. He became the perfect sacrifice because of that checkered past, because of that flawed humanity, because he was flesh and blood just like you and I. See, doesn't that do something for you when you read that? You'll never read that chapter the same again because you'll go, wow. I mean, my family's not that bad. I mean, they're not like incestuous like that. Come on. I mean, you had to be thinking about that, Judah and Tamar. I'm telling you, there's some crazy stuff in the Old Testament. But you sit there and you go, Wow. And God's function and the dysfunction was that from the sin of humanity, his son would emerge. Oh, he's 100% God. He was conceived of by the Holy Spirit and this Virgin Mary. But Mary in and of herself, her purity was in her virginity. It wasn't in any deity that she had because she was human. She was flawed and failed. The Bible says there has never been one except for Jesus Christ who's ever lived a sinless life. And God brings this gift to earth through this jacked up family tree so that you and I may have life. So that as we approach Jesus Christ and the person that he is, that he's not someone that's beyond us, but he's like us. That he's not someone who doesn't understand, but the Bible says, Quite to the contrary, we have a great high priest in Jesus Christ who feels everything we felt. Thank God for his awkward 
family. Not does it just make me feel better about my own self, but it was through that humanity that he became the perfect sacrifice and died for my sins and for your sins. That I can live 